Good morning, everybody. Whether you're in the room or you're online, it's nice to see all of you. Uh, for those of you who are new here, my name is John, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we want you to feel really, really welcome. Um, I know that Debbie said that there's coffee available, but I think the coffee machine is going to be closed after the second service. So if you need a free coffee, you have to come back next week. We didn't plan that on purpose, but that's how it is. Um, I love being in church. I've just Happy New Year, everybody, by the way. I wasn't here last week. Uh, thank you, thank you. I was in the Berg, and it was beautiful. It was perfect. It was like this. It was such a treat. And it's so great to be able to worship God like that. But it's also so great to be here. Um, and I love sitting over there because I get to hear the sound from the front and from the back. And I love it when it's loud from the back. And uh, I noticed in the middle of worship, I got, I got a new watch for Christmas, so, and, and it's a very clever watch, a smart watch, but it doesn't have a church mode. It sent me a message to say, you must relax, you seem a bit stressed. <laughs> and I wasn't stressed, I was having a great time worshiping God. So obviously they haven't sent the update for when you're in church and you're having a good time, it thinks you're stressed. I'm not stressed. I'm happy to be here, and I'm really excited about this year. Because one of the things we're going to be doing as a church this year is going through the book of Ephesians. And so um, do yourself a favor. Um, listen to the book of Ephesians, read it, go online. There's fantastic resources. Um, YouVersion, uh, um, YouVersion is a great resource anyway, but, but um, oh my gosh. Uh, the Bible Project, which is free on YouTube, just has incredible uh, videos about how to read the Bible and what the Bible books are about. So I, I, I'm tempted to do a lot of history this morning. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do some of it, but you must go home and do the research yourself, okay? Um, we live in a rage where everybody does their own research, and then if you get it wrong, we can fix that afterwards. But we're under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and so we're going to go through the book of Ephesians, and one of the things we want to do is to discover our place in this world, because I think most people are completely wrong about their place in the world. My experience is so many people, most people underestimate their place in the world. They just think to themselves, oh, I don't really matter. There are a few people who, who overestimate their place in the world and they annoy all the rest of us. And those few people need to learn that they don't matter as much as they think. But for the majority of us, it, I think it's just so incredibly important to find our place in the world. And Ephesians is a fantastic book to discover where our place should be in the world. You may be tempted to go, can, a, can like that book of Ephesians actually help? How can it be relevant? I mean, it was written almost 2,000 years ago, it was written um, by a Jewish guy to a bunch of people living in a place called Ephesus, which is now in where modern-day Turkey is. And surely a book like that doesn't really have anything to say to us. Can a book like that really help me find my place and my way in this world? Yes, it can. Don't just take my word for it, please will you listen as we explore 
this morning, the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. And we're not going to do the whole book. You need to go, I mean the whole chapter. You need to go back and do some of your own reading. But let's just look at some of the highlights, some of the, the characters involved to see if it really can help us find our place and our way in this world. First thing we should look at is who wrote this book. So there's this person, and his name is Paul. Paul is a guy who's responsible for quite a lot of the writing of the New Testament. Um, but he's a person, he's a human being. And he introduces himself right up front in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So Paul um, owns for himself this title of an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. That's <laughs> quite big claims, but fortunately he's not claiming it for himself. Other people have given it to him. Other people have said, this is who you are. And so let's just take a moment to look at a few things about this person called Paul. So I've highlighted four characteristics of his life, and I've used P's. I was just kind of playing a little bit, okay? And maybe helping you to remember one or two things. First thing we should know about this guy called Paul is at one stage in his life, he was a persecutor. He was a Jewish rabbi. He was a Pharisee. He was very passionate about the Jewish tradition and Jewish law and Jewish scripture and the Jewish God. In fact, he was so passionate about it that for quite a few years he persecuted Christians. And not just being mean to them online, he properly, he went and arrested them and had them thrown in jail. And there were probably Christians that died because of what Paul did. And so he was a very broken and flawed human being. He had lots of struggles. And even after he becomes a follower of Jesus, he doesn't, interestingly enough, become instantly perfect. He still carries on struggling. If you read some of his letters and he talks about his own struggles. So he was a persecutor. He was also a pastor. He goes from being somebody who's all about rules and regulations and forcing people to do things and if they don't, throw them in jail, to becoming somebody who genuinely loves other people and who makes his life purpose reaching people that other people have said aren't worth reaching. And he genuinely cares about people. This letter he's writing, he's writing to this church that he helped start some years before. And he'd spent time with these people, and if you read some of the book of Acts, you'll discover that he had some pretty scary things happening to him while he was in Ephesus. You should go and read it, it's really interesting. Um, the third thing that we know about him is that he was apostle. Uh, yeah, I did that, it didn't fit that. He was an apostle, but I just took out the A. What is that? An apostle is somebody who is sent out by God to tell other people about Jesus. 
but in Paul's case, it's kind of a special title. Those disciples that had lived with Jesus when he was on earth, they became apostles. They had the ability to, to do special things on behalf of God because they personally knew Jesus. Paul comes, thing, comes via another route, but the other apostles make him an apostle. And so his job is to go out and tell other people about Jesus. We often compare our modern day church missionaries to apostles, people that are sent out, sometimes to other countries. But we make this mistake in thinking that it's only those special people that get to do that. When in fact each of us are sent to our school or our home or our workplace or our shopping centers or our holiday destinations or our neighborhoods Sometimes with a purpose, always with a purpose of telling other people about Jesus. The fourth thing that you should notice about this guy was a prisoner. Remember I mentioned earlier that his life wasn't always great? I think often people expect once you become a follower of Jesus, like all problems are solved. You know? It's not just pie in the sky when you die, it's also steak on the plate while you wait. The truth is it's not always like that. And at this point, Paul is in prison in Rome, and he's actually going to get executed in Rome. But the truth is, he, he, his perspective on being in prison is amazing, because he says, guys, I'd much rather be with you. He's not one of these people who wants to suffer. He says, I'd much rather be with you. But you know what? There's stuff that I'm able to do. There are people I'm able to talk to. There's people I'm able to introduce to Jesus in such a unique way because I'm in prison. I mean, there's so much more that we could say about Paul. But I just want to remind you that as we look at this incredibly important person who wrote this really important letter, how much like us he is. How much like you. He's a sinner. He gets things wrong. He, he, he really was really bad before he became a follower of Jesus. But even after he becomes a follower of Jesus, he still, in some of his letters, says to guys, guys, I tell you what, there's stuff that I wish I would stop doing that I just carry on doing. And there's other things that I know I should be doing and, 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 I, and I don't. But thank goodness there's Jesus because this isn't actually about me. And so often we want to take ourselves out of the equation because we're not good enough. We're not educated enough. We're, We've done too many wrong, bad things. We, we tell ourselves, I can't be a pastor. I, I, you know, that's other people's jobs. You're wrong. You see, every human being, in fact, part of loving God is the responsibility of caring for other human beings. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, which means caring for other people. And all of us have things in our lives that we wish were different. We may not be a prisoner, but if only I hadn't started that habit, or if only I wasn't working here, or if only this, or if only that. So despite the fact that this man is is one of the most famous Christians in all of history. He's a person. 
He's a human being, just like you and me, with all the struggles and all the issues. So that's Paul. What about these Ephesians? This group of people called Ephesians. Well, Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. To be honest, I mean, I grew up in church. I always loved church. I've never been one of those guys who didn't want to be in church, which is really helpful in my career. So, but, but I never... But there's some things that had negativity growing up. The word holy was never an attractive word for me. It's like boring or grumpy often. That kind of idea that to be holy is kind of some bizarre, not nice place. And only very special people can be holy. But that doesn't seem to be what Paul is saying here. He's saying to all these New Christians in this place called Ephesus, hey, hey, you guys, you are God's holy people. But not only that, he says, you guys are faithful to this message. Now let's just look at Ephesus and what kind of people they could have expected to be in this church. So the Ephesians, the people who lived in the city of Ephesus, were really a proud group of people. They were in an incredibly important city in, in the Roman Empire at that stage. And, and it was a key port, and there were all sorts of things going on there. It was an important enough city that it had a 24,000-seater stadium in it. Now, I know, I mean, I don't know how many of the shark tanks holds. How many? Anybody know? Does anybody care? <laughs> I didn't say that. But this is ancient, this is 2,000 years ago, and their stadium, their theater, held 24,000 people. It was huge. They had this amazing library called the Library of Celsus. Uh, guys, in those days, people didn't have the whole world on their phones. They didn't have phones. You, if you wanted to read something, you had to actually go to a library. Ordinary people didn't own books. It was incredibly important, and they were proud of their city. They were proud of who they were. They would have probably said, we've got the best city in the best country. You know how we are. Lots of them were pagans. They followed either the Greek gods or the Roman gods. They served other gods. There were all sorts of religions, and if you go and read it, there's some really great articles in Wikipedia on these guys, so go and look. They'd intermixed their religions. So the Romans and Greeks would kind of swap gods over and they would assimilate. And so, so there was this multi-religion going on in the city. And people from those backgrounds would have all become part of this group of new Christians. They were merchants, they were great at trading. The reason for that is the port, um, and, and there was lots of trade going in and out of Ephesus. Uh, the port has now silted up, and so it's not an important port anymore. Just, I don't know if someone's in the dredging, no, it's too far gone. But see what you can find on Wikipedia if you look it up? This, it's, it's an amazing place, and you can go and visit there if you go to Turkey. That's what makes it, there were Romans living there. It was very multicultural. It was a key part of the Roman Empire. 
but there was a huge Greek influence as well. So there's these Romans, there's these Greeks, there's Jews that have moved there as, they've, as the Rome, Romans have occupied Palestine. They, they, they moved out, and so there's this cultural melting pot. Remind you of any place you know? Religion was incredibly important. There was this huge temple called the Temple of Artemis, which was one of the ancient wonders of the world. The goddess that was worshipped there was known either as Artemis or Diana because they'd mixed up their religions. And it was an incredibly powerful religion. It influenced lots and lots of people. And, and it made the city prosperous. And here's something interesting. It was a female religion. Diana was a female god, and the priestesses were priestess. Men didn't get to go there a lot. It was a woman's religion run by woman on behalf of a female god, which helps to explain some stuff you read later on in Ephesus, where Paul says, wives, you must learn from your husbands in church. And husbands, you guys must love your wives. And that sounds like misogyny to us. But Paul is saying, guys, this new religion isn't about women or men. Everybody gets to participate in it. It's got to change all of us. So, so you ladies in the church, you're not in charge. You men in church, you're also not in charge. And also, I mean, you can't treat your wife like property, eh? You have to start loving them which was revolutionary. I know it sounds weird to us, but that's some of the things they had to learn because their cultures had taught them other things. Their cultures had taught them that religion is a, is a woman thing and power is a man thing. And Paul is teaching them new things. We also discover that these guys were prejudiced. They were especially prejudiced to outsiders. We're better than you guys. We're better than you. Doesn't it sound like the kind of world we live in today? Turns out that this 2,000 year ago place wasn't actually so different. In fact, so many things were just like the world we live in today. Paul was a human being just like us. But Paul wants them to understand something, that everything gets changed because of the person of Jesus. That everything gets changed and we begin to discover our true place and way in this world because of a person called Jesus. And he spends a lot of time in Ephesians chapter one talking about Jesus. And I just want to focus on one part in particular. Ephesians chapter one, reading from verse 15. So he, he's, 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 remember he'd spent time there, he'd helped to start the church, and now he's in prison. And some bad things had happened to him in the city, and now he's writing back to them just to encourage them. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep on asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So I want to pause there for a moment. 
Last week, Debbie spoke about how much God wants a relationship with us, how much God wants us to, to embrace Jesus and how important we are to Jesus. Now, so many people make that the end of their faith. They go, well, I'm saved now, and so now I must just wait until I die. That's my place. My place in this world is just waiting until I die now that I'm a follower of Jesus. No. You, you see, God doesn't Enoch us when we become Christians. What do I mean by that? One of my favorite characters in the Bible, only gets about six verses, his name was Enoch. And he used to go for walks with God. It says so in the Bible. It says he walked with God, and one day he was not, for God took him. Now the best way to understand that story is that Enoch and God used to go for walks every day. He was that close to God. He was probably one of the most spiritual people ever. And he gets only six verses. And him and God were walking one day, and God looked at his, no, he didn't look at his watch, and he said, Enoch, you know what? We're too far from your house. We'll never get back before bedtime. You can just come and sleep at my house today. And he just went. But the rest of us don't go like that. The rest of us get left here. And Paul is going, guys, I want to talk to you about you being left here. I'm, I'm hearing that you guys are growing in your faith. I'm hearing that you are being more faithful. I'm hearing that you're loving new people. I'm hearing that something is happening to you because you're followers of Jesus. You are changing and you are becoming more like Jesus because God has a real purpose in that. He wants us to stay here. So I keep asking God that, keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You're here so that you can get to know God better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you, he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power to us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, we're going to unpack a few of those sentences in a moment. But here's what Paul has got to do. He's got to teach a group of people who come from a religious background where gods used to come down to earth to mess up people's lives. I mean, you've read a couple of the Greek myths. That's what gods did. They just were having a great time on Mount Olympus or wherever they used to hang out. And they would come down every now and again to take a wife or to murder somebody or just, they, they came and, and their religion was all about keeping those gods at bay. You went to the temple because you wanted to make them happy so that if they did come down, they didn't absolutely ruin your life. And then you've got a group of Jews 
who know that there is only one God and that he doesn't like coming down to mess up people's lives, but he lives in one place, in heaven. And if you want to go and visit him, you have to go to Jerusalem. And he's completely different to us. He doesn't become a person like those Greek and Roman gods. Except he does. And so, Jesus, so, so Paul goes into a lot of depth about Jesus and what's going on in heaven and down here on earth because he's got to change all people's mindsets that Jesus, God, has come to earth to live with people, to love them and to save them, not to make their lives miserable, not to mess with them, but to make their lives rich and meaningful and fulfilling and wonderful and righteous and holy and glorious. And so he's got to change people's minds. And so he tells them these things about who Jesus is and who God is and how he wants a relationship with us human beings. And so this person called Jesus, Paul tells us things like he's the savior. He's the savior of the world. For, for Greeks and Romans, gods weren't saviors. You needed to be saved from them. You needed to run. For, for Jews, God was in heaven and he needed to be worshiped in a very specific way. But here's a human being that becomes the savior of the world. Paul reminds him that Jesus was raised from the dead. That something fundamental has changed. That human beings don't, they don't, but Jesus was. But not only was he raised from the dead, he's the only wise God. Jesus and God are, are God. They're not two separate things. He's the prince of peace. Remember, these people were living under the Roman Pax Romana, which was a peace that was achieved by military power. Peace was achieved by just scaring everybody. But Jesus is different. He's the prince of peace. He brings peace through his resurrection and through his love, not through military power. But he's the creator of all things. And he is the head over all things. So he's, he's, he's explaining to these people that this almighty God lives here on earth as a, as a human being. And it, 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 it's something none of them have ever been able to get their head around. And it's amazing. And it brings this diverse, proud group of people together and changes them. And they find their place in the world. Because this port of Ephesus ended up being a place where the gospel was launched into Europe and into Asia. There are stories of some of the apostles going to India. Their place in the world wasn't to be this rich pawn of the empire, but this place where God spreads his love throughout the world. So what does that have to do with your place in the world? 
I mean, we've seen what their place in the world is. But what about our place? Well, listen to what Paul says right at the end there. He says this. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. You are sitting in a church building this morning and you are part of a church. You don't have to be in this building to be part of a church. You just have to be part of people who together follow Jesus. And so Paul is saying to these Ephesians, guys, you deal with all this power coming out of Rome and all these powerful religions. I need you to know something, that the God who placed everything under Jesus did it for the church, for us, for you and for me, so that the fullness of him can fill everything in every way. Now, I, that sounds a little bit weird. Explain what he's saying. God wants to fill the earth. God wants to not just be present in his spiritual form in the whole world, but he wants to be present physically in reality in the lives of every person in the whole world. He wants every person to know him and love him and have a relationship with him. He wants to fill the whole world. And he does that through the church. Whether it's a church like ours who has the privilege of meeting in this Lani building or a, sin, a, 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 a cathedral somewhere or a group of people that meet in a home or a group of people who meet in a school or in, in a grass hut somewhere. They're the church. They are us. They're made of people like Paul, like you and me, people who sin, people who have difficult situations, people who get themselves into trouble, people who can't always get it right, but they are under him. They are followers of Jesus. You and I are part of his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Some of you think you aren't. Some of you think, no, I, no, not me. Because I've done too big of a sin. Or uh, I don't know enough theology. Or uh, you know, uh, I struggle to have faith. I want to tell you you're wrong. I want to tell you you're wrong. Not on my authority but on Jesus' authority. And Paul says this, you, your place is next to Jesus and next to other people so that Jesus can be everywhere in this world. In all the offices and all the schools and all the shopping centers and all the homes, you are fundamental to God's plan. Your place in this world, it may be in prison. It may be in a really terrible environment. It may be in a wonderful environment. But wherever it is, if you are one of Jesus' followers, your place in this world is next to Jesus and next to your brothers and sisters doing what God has given you to do. 
so that all the fullness of Jesus Christ, our great Lord and Savior, can be everywhere in the world. You see, you aren't in a place of just making a bit of a difference to just a few people. You are part of God, of Jesus' body that fills the whole world. We're gonna spend the next weeks and months finding out how we do that, finding out how the Ephesians went from being just this tiny group of people following this cult to being a group of people that influenced the whole Middle East, Europe. Why? Because they were good traders? No. Because they were Romans or Greeks? No. Because they were scholars? No. Because they were followers of Jesus. And they knew that their place in this world was in the body of Christ, which fills every place in every way. And you are one of those people. I want you to just pause for a moment and thank God for that. I just want you to pause for a moment and say, God, thank you that I have a place presenting the, the God of the whole universe to a lost and hurting world. Lord, help each of us to find our place, to discover our place, to know that our place is alongside you and alongside each other so that the fullness of Jesus may fill everything in every way. Please, won't you stand and receive this blessing? May the Spirit of Christ empower you to love and serve your neighbors. As you invite them into your hearts and your homes, your lives and your schedules, may, you, may they come to understand through being loved by you that they are loved by God and can love Him in return. You are more ready to do this than you realize because. You go in his incomparably great power. The power and the mighty strength that raised Jesus from the dead. You go in the power that is far above all rule and authority. You go in the name that is above every other name. You go in the name of Jesus. You're part of his body, which is his fullness that fills everything in every way. Go now in that grace and power. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today.